The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Now the thing about time is that time isn't really real. It's just your point of view. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor. I want to thank each of you for listening to this show. Our show is growing in popularity very, very rapidly, in fact, and is now the number one show on the Voice of America, or Voice America, excuse me, channel. Voice America Business Channel, I should say. And that is true only because you folks are listening to this show. So I want to really thank you for that. I also, of course, want to thank our corporate sponsors for making this show financially financially viable. And uh, for the first hour of this show, we have uh, our sponsors are Barkerville Gold, America, uh, American Bonanza, Merrick's Gold, Palangio Exploration, Tara Minerals, PMI Resources, and Crocodile Gold Corporation. Well, last week we ran out of time with one of our main guests, namely Adrian Salbucci. So I've asked him to come back on the show again this week uh, so we can drill down more on the story about who really owns America, who's calling the shots, you know, how much power does the president have or are there other people, invisible people behind the throne that are really controlling our destiny and shaping policy that affects all of our lives. Having identified who these powerful interests are, hopefully, um, the people behind the throne that are, that, are, uh, desti- that are shaping our destiny, I'm going to turn to a person I believe is proposing policies more in line along with what our founding fathers 
had envisioned for us and would, are really written into the Constitution. And I'm talking about David Corsi, who is running for Congress from the state of New Jersey. He will be joining Adrian Sabucci and myself uh, during the latter part of the first hour. Uh, and uh, and then we'll have David Corsi come on uh, during the first the first 15 minutes of the second hour. Uh, we'll also have, during the second hour, Gisbert Gunenwegen. Uh, he is a hedge fund manager from in New York and London. Um, Gisbert is something uh, someone I've recently met up with in New York. Uh, we have a great deal in common in our own personal, our, our own views of the markets and where we think things are going and where we think things are now. But I'll let Gisbert explain to you what his views are and what you should do about them, um, you know, how he thinks you should invest your money to protect yourself against the, the very difficult days that both he and I and many of the other guests in this show believe are coming our way. Before we get to our special guest this week, I have uh, Chen Lin, who's, of course, he's, he's very special because he does an extremely good job for his clients and for his family in investing. But Chen's a regular guest, so we refer, refer to him as, uh, as a partner of mine, which he is. Uh, he's going to be with me uh, in just a minute to share some of his insights again. Uh, I should also mention that during the latter part of the first hour of this show, we'll be talking to Klondex Mines Limited, the uh, Blaine Wilson, actually, who is uh, an operating uh, manager, a person who's been brought on to the staff to help that company move towards gold production in Nevada. Uh, and this is uh, Klondex Mines is a company on jayswatchlist.com, as is Fear Resources, that's a firm that is busy exploring and developing coal and precious metals projects in South Africa and Zimbabwe. So we'll have uh, two mining company ideas for you to consider uh, and to learn more about if you're interested today uh, on today's show. Uh, finally, during the last hour of today, we will have Roger Wiegand on the last 15 minutes or so of the show. And Roger will be uh, telling you what his views are on the market as we do the wrap-up on the show. Well, let's turn now to Chen Lin. He is the editor, of course, of What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? Hi, Chen. Hi, Jay. Hey, how are things in New Jersey today? Pretty good. A little bit rainy. A little, uh, little rainy. Good, good day, yes. Mark so you have hot. to keep the kids under control in the house today. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, they seem quite quiet now, but you know what? Kids have to be kids. I would say if they have to make some noise, you better let them make some noise, but not too much because we do want to hear what you have to say, Chen. So... Uh, you pointed out uh, this morning to your subscribers in a an alert. Uh, you talked about ATPG Oil and Gas Corporation. I think you talked about this company last week. Certainly, uh, on your recommendation, I picked up some shares of ATPG for my retirement account. But I I noticed that you're still very very bullish and very aggressive uh, aggressively buying this stock. Could you explain to our listeners why? Yes, uh, the stock I appreciate about 10% since last week, and then this week they just announced uh, they're going to do a loan, just a second lien loan, okay, straight mm-hmm. loan, without issue any share. It's not convertible, without any warrants. They just uh, issue the loan $1.5 billion. That will basically pay off their current credit line of $800 million. plus they can use the rest for expansion. That's extremely good news. Uh, as I mentioned in my newsletter, ATP is a heavily shorted. Every one one out of four shares are shorted. Okay, so uh, so the shorts are betting on they have to raise money, issue shares, which is true probably last year. 
you know, people, this type of company has to issue a share, has to bag in the Wall Street, just, you know, gave me some, throw me a bone, gave me some money. But this is different uh, because the, um, you know, IPO markets are open up, and then the, the Fed is keeping the rate at extraordinary low, forcing people to, uh, to go out and then to invest, get the return. So the bond markets start alive again. So it looks like they're going to get a 1.5 billion loan. Then all the short thesis, every single point of their thesis is wrong. And but they're so heavily short, they have to cover. So what kind of short position is out there? Have you any, any idea about that, Chen? How large is it? I think it's, if I remember correctly, it's 11 million. So it's mm-hmm. about one out of, of 25% of the flow. Oh. Every one out of every four shares are short. Uh, have you seen any evidence of covering yet, or is it pretty much you think people are still believing uh, that this is a company that's in deep trouble, it's on the ropes, and uh, therefore short the heck out of it and, and make a killing? Is that you think that's still in the mindset of many people? Yes, I say, especially in some funds. I think some hedge funds are shorting the hell out of it. The short interest has been increasing every time I check. Okay, you can see the history. I send out in my newsletter alert. The history has been increasing. And then the problem is it's increasing the short position, but stock is rising. And they start just breaking out this Monday, this past Monday. I broke $20, a key resistance, and then still going higher. And those shots going to be squeezed. So this could be an explosive rally then. How far up would you look to ride this stock, Chen? Any, any sort of suggestion of where people might look to take profits? Uh-huh. If your scenario works out to be true. I, I, I usually don't. Set fixed target for stock because yeah. it's money very hard to see. Uh, but I see, you know, they have a good chance to go back to fifty dollars. Oh, really? high, yeah. That we basically what I go is commodity. You go with commodity price. When I believe the oil price has peaked, okay, and then it's time to go down to to reduce your position and then take profit. But right now, I see Iran sanctions coming online. And then they want sanction not just Iran Republic Guard. They want to sanction Iran's uh, uh, oil industry, right? So mm-hmm. that will be a very positive for oil. Plus, China has this huge drought in China. Basically, there's no water in dam in mm-hmm. most of the southern China. Then there's uh, electricity will be very very uh, short this summer. They have to burn up diesel, have to burn up natural gas, have to burn up coal this summer to meet the demand. Every summer, China has some kind of rolling blackout. This summer will be very, very tough. It's so, going to be worse than normal, you think, this summer in China because of the drought that's worse than normal, thereby taking away yeah. the, the hydro, exactly. hydro, hydro power. Power is all, all hydropower is about 20%, 10 20% depending on the area, and all down. So they're kind of going to import a lot of energy, you know, including oil and other stuff. So, the, so I see the summer... We have a chance to go back to a hundred dollar oil, just you know, just for this term or for the summer. And then all these oil companies are going to make a killing, and then investors was hesitant getting into oil. I can see the chart, you know, very hesitant getting into oil. Now, people, if they realize oil really going higher, they could be a rush into oil, and then you make money eventually, potentially get out in the summer. Because I always think in the summer is weakest point of gold. Actually, it was the strongest point of oil. So actually, it's pretty good. Maybe sometime in the summer, you take profit in oil and then buy gold on the weakness. So that, 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 you know, that's my... I still own both oil and gold, but I'm a little bit heavy, more heavy on oil side. Okay. So now, I believe, Chen, that you had another idea in the oil patch, too, that you thought was really exciting. Uh, would you like to tell our listeners about that? Actually, we we're going to be going to break here in just a minute, but maybe... You could mention the name, and then if we have time on the other side of the break, we can talk about it. We're supposed to have 
uh, Blaine Wilson of Klondex Gold, uh, Klondex Mines, uh, joining us. I'm not sure if he's with us yet. Uh, no, I, I'm told that we don't have him yet. So, um, you know what? Let's let's go to break now, and um, let's go to break now, Chan. And you can come back on the other side of the break, and we can talk about that. Um, uh, well, maybe, maybe just mention the name. What is the name of the company right now? It's Mad Energy uh, MMT. It's up okay. 20% yesterday and still going up today. Okay, let's talk about that on the other side of the break. Um, we'll have plenty of time to do that if Blaine does not show up here. I don't know if we have him. We don't have him yet. So uh, stay with me, Chan, if you would, please, and we'll, we'll explore this other idea that you have. We'll be right back, folks, at, uh, as soon as the break is over here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Apollo Gold is a gold-producing and exploration company that recently brought the brand-new Black Fox Mine into production. Apollo's 100% owned Black Fox Mine is located in the world-renowned gold-producing district of Timmins, Ontario, Canada. It's expected to produce over 100,000 ounces of gold annually. Apollo Gold also has tremendous potential for additional gold discovery as they continue their current exploration program on their recent new discovery at the Gray Fox property, which is adjacent to the Black Fox Mine, as well as its new land acquisition of Pike River. With gold prices near an all-time high, investors should consider Apollo Gold as an outstanding opportunity to invest in an undervalued junior gold mining company, well positioned to take advantage of a bull gold market. Apollo Gold trades on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol AGT and on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol APG. Visit Apollo's website at www.apollogold.com. Apollo Gold, a golden opportunity for investment. American Bonanza Gold's project, located in Arizona, is scheduled for production in 2010. American Bonanza Gold announced the positive results of its recent feasibility study at its 100% owned Copperstone Gold Mine. The mine is estimated to produce an average of 45,000 ounces of gold annually. At the current spot gold price, this will result in an IRR of 120%. Join the gold bull market. Invest in American Bonanza Gold. Visit the website at AmericanBonanza.com for more exciting information. Don't miss this great opportunity. 
Have you been acquiring physical gold, silver, and coins? Are you receiving the best price and the best service you can? Why not work with the most recommended precious metals company in the country? Resource Consultants is recommended by over 20 newsletter writers, several websites, and countless stockbrokers and financial planners. Call them now and find out how they can help you. 800-494-4149. Or visit them on the web at www.buysilvernow.com. That's 800-494-4149. They'll be waiting for your call. Barkerville Gold Mines, BGM on the TSX.V, is focused on the exploration and development of its gold projects in the historic Caribou Gold Fields in British Columbia. Barkerville's mineral tenure now encompasses over 111,000 hectares, covering the 60-kilometer long by 20-kilometer wide geological belt and includes seven past-producing mines and two of Barkerville's own proposed open pit mines, currently in the permitting process. Barkerville recently announced the acquisition of the QR mine and 900-ton-per-day QR mill. Parkerville Gold began mining operations in February of 2010 and is expecting to produce 50,000 ounces in its first full year of mining. I am Jay Taylor, your host for Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Gold has risen from $250 to well over $1,200 since 2002. That has greatly improved gold mining profit margins and profits for gold investors. But mining stocks are very risky, so you do need to know which stocks have the best chance of success. I believe Magellan Minerals, traded Toronto under the symbol MNM, is one such company. That's why it is a top pick of my newsletter, J. Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Go to MagellanMinerals.com website to learn more. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I have Blaine Wilson. He's an executive with Klondex Mines Limited. He's with me, and Chen Lin has uh, stayed with us past the break. Uh, We won't have time to talk to Chen right now about his new uh, energy idea, but maybe next week we can get to that with Chen Lin, or you can probably learn about it earlier by signing up for Chen's letter, but that's another issue. We'll tell you how to do that at the end of the show. In any event, uh, Blaine Wilson, as I say, is an executive with Klondex uh, Mines Limited. Klondex has about 31.2 million shares outstanding. Last I looked, it was trading at about $1.39 U.S. money, $44 million uh, market cap or thereabouts. Uh, the company is engaged in acquiring, uh, exploring, and developing gold and silver properties in Nevada and has to date identified an indicated mineral resource of uh, in excess of 1.6 million ounces of gold at its flagship property uh, called the Fire Creek property. That's And again, that's in Nevada. Well, welcome, Blaine, to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. 
thank you for having me. We're, we're quite excited to, to be part of your show today. And, and I have to say our, our president, William Soloway, uh, was hopeful to be part of this show today, but he's traveling today, so please accept his apology. Again, well, we're, we're quite excited to, to be here today. Well, I'm really pleased to have you here, and, you know, we, we do want to keep up with your story. It is one, I know a, a mining analyst in New Jersey recently told me that it was one of his top picks, and uh, I knew you were on, on my watch list, jayswatchlist.com, and so I said, well, I better try to get you guys on the show sooner rather than later. I'm, I'm hearing some pretty good things about you, so let's, let's share those with the uh, listeners to my show. You have a 43101 resource of 1.6 million ounces, as we just said. Can you tell us uh, what your average grade is on that resource? And, and this is, I, I believe, Blaine, going to be an underground mine and probably, therefore, a higher grade than you might see on, a, on an open pit situation. And that's correct. Um, the indicated resource that you mentioned uh, of 1.6 million ounces, that comes in uh, in excess of 10 grams per ton. Mm. And uh, over the, the whole life of that, we expect to, to see that increase. We've got a lot of opportunity there. But uh, our 43101 was updated in March of 2009, and, and that's where it stands today. Do you, have you done some exploration since that time, Blaine, that could increase those numbers, or are you just waiting for the next drill program to be factored into the resource? Well, this uh, doesn't factor in... Uh, factor in last year's drill program, which we completed uh, several holes. We also will be doing uh, another uh, 15 to 20 holes this year. Uh, last year, we focused on doing a geophysical survey of the property, and we did some IP there, and we identified 15 new targets. And so this year's drilling program will, will be uh, to focus on the extension of some of those systems that we have now, some infill drilling, and uh, obviously trying to step out and, and to significantly increase the size of this resource. How deep are these? Uh, how deep is the deposit as as it stands now? At least that por- portion that's measured in the 1.6 million ounce uh, category. How um, how deep is it? Uh, do you have to put really long drill holes down, or, or give us a sense of the how near to surface are the is this deposit? We see some of our mineralization uh, around 200 feet below surface, but uh, we're still seeing mineralization down to 1,200 feet. Mm. And uh, so we we have a lot of opportunity. We're we're still open at depth into the north, the south, and and the west. And uh, we're just really excited about our upcoming drill programs, not only this coming year, but for the years to come. Well, does it make a lot of sense to drill? I mean, this is always the issue with these underground, high-grade underground mines. When you you know you establish the fact that they extend the depth, and you how much money are you going to try to drill something out? You're not going to spend an awful lot of money. So once you get in there. As I understand it, you're planning to do a bulk mining uh, test of this of this project uh, of this deposit. Is that that will take place when at the end of this year, early next year? Well, what we're looking at right now is we'll have all of our final permits in hand. Uh, we expect them sometime around the first of July, and then we'll start our decline. As you'd mentioned, we we had a decision to make. We could continue to drill from the surface and spend you know X millions of dollars to do that, or we could spend that same amount of money and con- uh, could conduct that program underground, mm-hmm. uh, get better infill drilling underground, and uh, then at the same time be touching the ore source. And uh, we have permits down right now. We have that bulk sampling program, and we would expect to bring out around 35,000 ounces uh, of product uh, in the first part of next year. Wow, that will be, uh, that will be some pretty good um, revenues there. Uh, expect that bulk sampling program to pay a lot of this exploration and development cost then? Absolutely, and that was uh, part of the thinking behind our plan was that once we get that first bulk sample out of the mine and process, that we're self-funding going forward. And at the same time, we'll begin our permitting process uh, to move from the bulking program into a full production program down the road. 
I mean, if my arithmetic is correct, uh, 35,000 ounces at $1,000 a piece uh, would, would give you something like $35 million in revenue. So a good start, I would say. What about, um, you know, again, I don't believe you've done a feasibility study yet, have you? We have not. Uh, this would help us, uh, this underground program will help us generate the data that would be required for us to complete our feasibility study. Yeah. But we'll be in a unique situation when we're completing our feasibility study, we'll already be into production. And uh, so... Uh, but we'll be doing those kind of on parallel tracks. One of the things that always comes into one of the one of the factors that always comes into uh, capital cost and milling cost is metallurgy. Do you know anything about the metallurgy at this point in time? Does it look complicated? Is it going to be a fairly simple case a situation that you'd expect um, you know relatively common capital costs with a project? And I think you're looking at, at ultimately producing something in the order of north of a hundred thousand ounces a year, right? Uh, that's correct, and we have completed uh, an initial metallurgical study that shows that this material is free milling with recovery rates in excess of 90% uh, with simple gravity separation with a cyanide finish. Mm -hmm. um, part of the purpose of the bulk sampling program is to also then to complete a, a much further in-depth metallurgical study um, as well, and so we're, that's all, all part of our program going forward, and, and so far the results have been very positive. So far, so good. If it seems as though it's uh, you know free milling gold for the most part, and north of ninety percent, it sounds like a good start. Um, aside from the gold price, what are some of the factors that um, that you worry about? What could go wrong here on this project that could make it a you know make it not successful? It looks like it should be successful, but you know I've been around this business long enough to know that almost always there's something that comes up in a mining project that either delays it or causes the, the cost to rise over what you would expect. Uh, that's correct, and, and one of the issues that, that we look at and what we're working with our mine engineers on is that does the ore body behave once we get to it as we expect to it by the data we've seen from the surface. And so that's a, a risk, uh, but uh, we've enlisted a, a very competent mining contractor, and, and their engineers are, are some of the, the best in the industry, and, and they're helping us put together that mine model and the, the mining plan. and. And right now, we're, we're very confident what we see is going to uh, meet the expectations as, as we perceive them to be. But that's always a risk once we get there that the ore body behaves a little bit different than what we expected. Blaine, uh, as a producer, I know that you're an operation, you have an operations background. Could you tell our listeners what you've done in the past? Yeah, I've been involved in, in uh, Nevada uh, for over 20 years, uh, working primarily in process and, and aiding in the permitting process of of uh, new projects, underground mines and open pit mines, uh, into production and uh, through the permitting and the processing and uh, budget control and, and all those fun things. Oh, that sounds good. Um, so, uh, Chen, have you, have you a question for Blaine? Yes. Uh, you said that you're going to do some more drilling. When do you expect more drilling results coming up? Well, well, we'll start kicking off our drilling program uh, once the weather allows uh, this summer. And uh, so we'd expect to see some results uh, Maybe as early towards the end of the year, but most likely uh, sometime maybe around Q1 of next year. Uh, again, we're going to try to do somewhere between uh, 15 and 20 drill holes this year. And uh, so we expect, uh, so we certainly expect to see some good things out of our program this year. Okay, great. So, so do you plan to update 43101 after this, this round of training? We or? would expect to as we go forward over the next year, too, that we would certainly need to um, as more results come in, particularly from our underground program. Uh, once we start doing our fans uh, out of those drill stations underground, we'll start getting a lot more infill drilling that will certainly, uh, I believe, have an impact on our, on our resource as it stands today. Blaine, uh, you mentioned that you have identified a 
several more targets, I think you said. Are those targets that are near surface? Do you think they're part of the same gold system or, or what? Uh, the majority of them are adjacent to these gold systems as we see them now, and particularly uh, one that we're excited is to the southeast of the main zones one and two, which is the heart of our deposit. Um, if you look at some of our presentations, the main zones one and two are a million tons, grading at about 0.79 ounces per ton. Mm, wow. uh, one of our largest uh, targets areas that we've seen the anomaly in was to the south of that, and we believe that could be an extension, and, and that's one area that... Uh, We'll be looking at where our permits stand right now. We'd like to get some holes in there this year. And uh, certainly uh, that's one area that we certainly expect to see some great things to come. Some blue sky, Absolutely. possibly. Absolutely. And you well, have yeah, other that projects, topic, too, please. besides Fire Creek that the company has? That's correct. Well, we have actually four properties in Nevada. Fire Creek is our flagship property. But we uh, have a, another uh, interest in Elko County and Maggie Creek. Uh, we also have some claims in the Hot Springs Point in Lander County and and also the Reef Project in Churchill County. That's fantastic. It really sounds like a very interesting story, Blaine, and I'm sure we'll have you or your president on sometime in the near future to update us again. Perhaps uh, when do you think you might have some drill data to talk to us about? I would say uh, maybe as early as Q4 of this year, but uh, you know, some of our, our biggest news coming soon will be uh, getting our final permits in hand and starting our decline. And uh, we should start seeing some drill data even out of that uh, by Q4 of this year. Well, that's fantastic. I really look forward to uh, talking to you more and keeping up with your company. Thank you, Blaine, for being with us. Thank you, Chen, again for joining us. And uh, we'll have you back next week, uh, Chen, to talk about some more of your interesting ideas. Perhaps you can tell us about that oil company we didn't have time to talk about. But thanks again, both of you, for coming on uh, our show. Uh, don't go away, folks. We're going to have Adrian Salbucci with us. He's going to be joining us again from Argentina. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Adrian. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. 
I am Jay Taylor, your host for Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Gold has risen from $250 to well over $1,200 since 2002. That has greatly improved gold mining profit margins and profits for gold investors. But mining stocks are very risky, so you do need to know which stocks have the best chance of success. I believe Magellan Minerals, traded Toronto under the symbol MNM, is one such company. That's why it is a top pick of my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Go to MagellanMinerals.com website to learn more. PMI Gold has just raised $7.5 million to expand drilling at four former gold mines we own in Ghana. Ghana is Africa's second largest gold producer, and with neighbors like Newmont, Anglo Gold, and Goldfields, and a land position equal to the entire length of the Carlin Gold Belt, we're going for the gold. PMI Gold is listed in Canada and Frankfurt, and plans to list on the Australian Stock Exchange to finance development of our first mine at our Kubi Gold Project. Our plans are big and growing. Come grow with us. I am your host, Jay Taylor. I believe Columbus Silver Corp traded Toronto symbol CSC and in the United States symbol CSLVF offers a potential gain of several fold over its March 31st price of 18 cents. I say that because of its low market cap, its Mojion gold and silver property hosting a partly delineated deposit containing 18 million ounces of silver and 300,000 ounces of gold equivalent. I say that also because of a strong management team. The stock is, of course, not without risk, but in my view, the risk reward ratio is presently very favorable. Go to ColumbusSilver.com to learn more. Coronado Resources is a Canadian-based exploration and development company trading on the TSX Venture Exchange. Its wholly owned Madison Gold Copper Project in Montana, USA has received revenue from high-grade gold and copper shipments while developing its underground workings to 250 feet below surface while limiting share dilution. Coronado is now driving the decline an additional 60 feet below the lowest workings to access the rich gold mineralization encountered from recent drilling and continue exploring Exploring the system, which is open at depth. Merex Gold, with 800 square kilometers of contiguous permits, Merex and exploration partner IM Gold have spent $11 million on the advanced stage Surabaya Gold project in Mali. Merex has indicated gold resources based on 4% of the mineralized Surabaya megastructure. An aggressive 20,000 meters of drilling will begin to determine the true size of the Surabaya gold deposit. For more information about Merex Gold, visit us on the web at www.merexgold.com. That's M-E-R-R-E-X gold.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, Taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor. And last week we had Adrian Salbucci, he's an economist from Argentina. And, you know, I think it's always a good idea to go outside of the familiar sources. It's always good to go outside of the mainstream for sure, because I think the mainstream is where you get 
um, not only do you not get the truth, you get a lot of disinformation that leads you astray. I think you think only in terms of the economy. We're always looking at, uh, you know, all these Keynesian PhD economists that come on CNBC and they tell us what a great job Obama and Bernanke are doing. And some of us who come from a little different persuasion who have looked at free market economics, the Austrian school, for example, we say, my goodness, this is going to lead us into a lot of trouble. We had on this show uh, in the recent past uh, um, uh, a scientist from Russia, um, Dmitry Orlov, who has written a book uh, talking about the demise of the United States economy. He sees us on the same path, on a very similar path to what the, the Soviet Union went through and their, uh, and their destruction. And Adrian uh, Salbucci has talked about the people behind the throne, the powers behind the throne, and as Adrian has talked about, this is not a conspiracy theory here. All you have to do is really look at who the real leaders are. Look behind, uh, look who, who uh, the organizations from, from which our, our leaders come from, our policymakers come from, then look and just follow the money. Who owns and operates and who, who is the, the power behind those institutions? And then it's no big mystery to see why things are going the way they are. Anyway, Adrian, welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Hello, Jay. Thank you for having me on the show. It's great, great to talk to you again. Well, it is really good to have you on, and we had a lot of very positive responses um, uh, to your presence on our show last, last week. And you've been through a lot in Argentina. We talked about that last week. Uh, you've been through several disa- economic disasters, so you're, you're viewing life in the United States from a different perspective than Americans. I mean, we, we've sat here and we've had some difficulties, but you know, every time there's a big bailout, there's money pumped into the system, it seems like it's back on track again, at least to many people. Um, I don't think you're, you're buying that, though, are you? Well, no, because in a way, as, as we were uh, discussing last week when I was on your show, uh, we've had first-hand experience at a lot of these things. So in a way, uh, it's, not a, it's, it's not that Americans don't know about this, because I think you do know about it, but very often in certain things, it is the difference between reading about parachute jumping and actually doing parachute jumping. It's a hell of a different so. experience. So uh, from that point of view, we've been forced, we've been literally pushed off the ledge or pushed off the airplanes. Mm-hmm. We're going to go forward with that metaphor. So we've actually crashed several times, and I was, as I was mentioning uh, last week, <clears throat> in my adult life, I'm 57, I've gone through three uh, terrible breakdowns, uh, d- different crises, which have slightly different parameters. One of them was uh, a bout of, of po- actually political unrest, mostly in 1975. Mm-hmm. In 1989, we had hyperinflation, which is dreadful. And in 2001, 2002, we had a systemic breakdown. And when you start looking at things, you know, because, I mean, the crisis is always overcome one way or another because life has to go on, mm-hmm. and you start seeing, well, what did happen here? And you start seeing certain patterns, certain things that repeat themselves, certain people who are always there and seem not to be affected, or certain institutions. <clears throat> and then every time something happens, whatever it is, whether it be a financial crisis in America or a collapse in Argentina or a dreadful event like, like 11th September or 7th July, for example, mm-hmm. it's always very good to ask, well, who benefits from this? Mm-hmm. And let's follow, follow the money trail. I mean, the money trail is definitely very important. So. You start sort of building up, rather haphazardly maybe, but a model that enables you to understand reality from a different point of view, as you were so aptly saying a few minutes ago, from what you would expect to receive from the mainstream media, whether it be in America, in Europe, or or, or in Argentina. Our mainstream media is basically the same. So, yes, I think that it's very important that those 
sectors in those countries like Argentina that have had some first-hand experience at this should share it, which is why I started doing all those videos that you probably might have seen one or two. I said, well, mm-hmm. let's start sharing our experience because what I see that has left many Americans and many Europeans surprised, like how could this collapse that began 15 September 2008 with the demise of uh, Lehman Brothers and then uh, the, the collapse of AIG, how could this happen to us? And we could say, well, hold on a minute. It's, it's natural that it should happen to us, and, and we're even surprised it didn't happen earlier. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, you talk about the quest for a one-world government by these folks, um, and you mentioned, you know, the Council of Foreign Relations, the Bilderbergers, and some of these groups. Uh, if you follow the money, you follow the Bilderbergers to some royalty, uh, to, to the old money royalty in Europe. Um, and, and in a way, you know, how, my question to you, one of my questions to you is how far can this ruling elite, let's call it the Anglo-American Empire, take this globally? How far can they... Can, we see the rising Asian, you know, the, Asia, the rise in Asia, China and, and elsewhere in Asia now. Uh, it's hard for me to envision uh, the Chinese folks going along with this same ruling elite. Would you agree with that? Or are there limits to our power, I guess, is what, to the power of this ruling elite, is what I'm asking you. Well, it, it's it's uh, actually I think it's a two-edged sword, and, and in many in many dif- at many different levels. Uh, for example, one of the aspects of this two-edged sword that goes straight into to the question you were posing is, what is the limit of this ruling elite? And I would and, and you can turn around and say, well, they definitely have a technological infrastructure that was built up over the 20 years known as globalization mm-hmm. that enables them to control just about everything. Every, all the news we get, all the information we get, our communications, the Internet, computers, laptops, the whole lot. <clears throat> but then you say, okay, but the two-edged sword also works in our favor. 20 years ago, it, w- it would have been almost impossible for folks like you, like me, and a lot of people who are hearing, listen to you, millions mm-hmm. of people who listen to your program now, mm-hmm. to say, okay, let's exchange ideas. Let's talk to this guy from Argentina. Let's discuss it with somebody from South Africa and so forth. And yet we can now, common folks can do that very easily through the Internet, almost at no cost. So that mm-hmm. is one aspect of the two-edged sword. And in the case of China, which is a very, probably, I mean, if you sit at the Pentagon, you definitely identify China in the first instance and Russia in the second instance as the public enemy. And I think the Pentagon have already done that a long time ago. And China is the enemy, in a way, from the point of view of, of this ruling elite, if China were allowed to go its own traditional way. However, the powerful means that they have to impose psychological war throughout the country can also be seen in China, where those more developed parts of China, the coastal areas, the Shanghai's, the Peking's, uh, and so forth, where a lot of economic development and a lot of wealth is being generated, at the same time, that wealth goes hand-in-hand with a certain psychological profile of most of these successful peoples that makes them very likely or rather easy to align to the power elite. I see this in my country. Argentina has 40 million people. Uh, half of them are in, live below the poverty line, and they are getting worse and worse, and not just poverty in the material sense. They are getting worse and worse in terms of education. Mm-hmm. And you have about 10 million people who are really running the country, running corporations, running the media, running government, running everything, and they are definitely well off. I suppose I'm part of that, of that better off uh, part of society. But most of them, 99, I don't know, almost 100%, are all culturally and intellectually aligned to this system. 
So in a way, this is a whole model where they say, we're going to give you technology, <clears throat> we're going to give you so-called progress, we're going to give you the chance to make a lot of money, but at the same time, <clears throat> imperceptibly, I'm not going to say we're going to brainwash you, but we're definitely going to do a lot to align you, your family, your wife, your kids, your club, your neighbors, so that you will all sail in the direction that I want you to sail. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly Dmitry Orlov talked about uh, you know, what it was like in the Soviet Union. If you were a member of the Communist Party, you wouldn't dare say anything bad about your country, anything bad about your, your policymakers. Likewise, if you're on Wall Street today, you, you can't really say anything negative about, about Bernanke. And, I mean, you can say some things around the edges, but you can't really say that this system is broken. You can't really go out there and say we're on the wrong pa- policy path and we need to go back to free market economics and we've got to throw Keynes out. You can't do that or you're out of a job. Would you agree? And is that part of the, part of the way the system holds together, the ruling elite protect their interest? Well, absolutely, Jay, because if you look at it, and if you look at it uh, with a bit more, uh, a, a bit of subtlety, we basically have the same socialist and or communist system mm-hmm. in force. Before, it used to be coercive. Okay, you could not speak against Mr. Brezhnev because it might, it might land you in jail. The system on this side of the world, or, or rather the, the system that has prevailed, is a bit more benign. It's a bit more benevolent. <clears throat> if you talk against Bernanke and against the HS, I don't know, HSBC and J.P. Morgan as its gold traders, for example, you're just going to be out of a job. You're just going to yeah. be left aside. Your economic wealth will not uh, have a high profile. In other words, you're not going to be doing so well economically. And nowadays, if you ask anybody in America or in Argentina, what is your greatest fear? They'll probably say, well, my greatest fear is losing my job, not being yeah. able to cope economically. Uh, I think the only countries where they would not say that is countries that are uh, at war, like, I don't know, Iraq or, or Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. If you ask anybody there, what's your greatest fear? That a bomb will fall out of the sky on my head. Sure. But sure. except for that extreme case, if you ask anybody in Argentina or in America, what's your greatest fear? It's losing, it, 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 it's, you know, it's not being put in jail as you would have been in the communist, and in, in the communist uh, mm-hmm. Soviet Union, but rather having my economic likelihood, uh, livelihood go down the drain. So in a way, it is basically the same system. And what a lot of people don't realize, even in America, is that imperceptibly and philosophically, we are all behaving like Marxist communists, but in a much more benevolent, open manner, and most people don't even realize it. Well, I think that's what the Fabian Socialists had in mind, as I understand it, when they had no, no uh, quarrel with the Marxists uh, in terms of what the end game was, but only how to get there. You could get there by uh, gentle persuasion and uh, manipulation of, mind, of the mindset. Um, and it seems as though we're moving in that direction very, very rapidly these days. Well, uh, we're coming up on our break right now, and uh, I, I want we're going to actually have somebody joining us, David Corsi, who's a member. Uh, he's looking uh, for a possible appointment to the Republican ticket uh, to run for the uh, uh, seat, a congressional seat from New Jersey, from the 12th District. And David's going to be with us. I have David with me, uh, with us on this show today, because I believe that his policies. Um, are, are pretty much in line with mine, pretty much in line with Ron Paul's and others who would like to go back to the founding fathers and what they wanted for our country, namely limited government and optimum freedom for the people, and certainly not the direction that, uh, Adrian, you were just talking about. So we'll be right back with Adrian uh, and, uh, and my friend uh, for office uh, after the break. We'll be right back with David Corsi and Adrian Sobucci.
Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Apollo Gold is a gold-producing and exploration company that recently brought the brand-new Black Fox Mine into production. Apollo's 100% owned Black Fox Mine is located in the world-renowned gold-producing district of Timmins, Ontario, Canada. It's expected to produce over 100,000 ounces of gold annually. Apollo Gold also has tremendous potential for additional gold discovery as they continue their current exploration program on their recent new discovery at the Gray Fox property, which is adjacent to the Black Fox Mine, as well as its new land acquisition of Pike River. With gold prices near an all-time high, investors should consider Apollo Gold as an outstanding opportunity to invest in an undervalued junior gold mining company, well positioned to take advantage of a bull gold market. Apollo Gold trades on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol AGT and on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol APG. Visit Apollo's website at www.apollogold.com. Apollo Gold, a golden opportunity for investment. Have you been acquiring physical gold, silver, and coins? Are you receiving the best price and the best service you can? Why not work with the most recommended precious metals company in the country? Resource Consultants is recommended by over 20 newsletter writers, several websites, and countless stockbrokers and financial planners. Call them now and find out how they can help you. 800-494-4149. Or visit them on the web at www.buysilvernow.com. That's 800-494-4149. They'll be waiting for your call. Barkerville Gold Mines, BGM on the TSX.V, is focused on the exploration and development of its gold projects in the historic Caribou Goldfields in British Columbia. Barkerville's mineral tenure now encompasses over 111,000 hectares, covering the 60-kilometer-long by 20-kilometer-wide geological belt and includes seven past-producing mines and two of Barkerville's own proposed open-pit mines, currently in the permitting process. Barkerville recently announced the acquisition of the QR mine and 900-ton-per-day QR mill. Barkerville Gold began mining operations in February of 2010 and is expecting to produce 50,000 ounces in its first full year of mining. I am Jay Taylor, your host for Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Gold has risen from $250 to well over $1,200 since 2002. That has greatly improved gold mining profit margins and profits for gold investors. But mining stocks are very risky, so you do need to know which stocks have the best chance of success. I believe Magellan Minerals, traded Toronto under the symbol MNM, is one such company. That's why it is a top pick of my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Go to MagellanMinerals.com website to learn more. PMI Gold has just raised $7.5 million to expand drilling at four former gold mines we own in Ghana. Ghana is Africa's second largest gold producer, and with neighbors like Newmont, Anglo Gold, and Goldfields, and a land position equal to the entire length of the Carlin Gold Belt, we're going for the gold. PMI Gold is listed in Canada and Frankfurt, and plans to list on the Australian Stock Exchange to finance development of our first mine at our Kubi Gold Project. Our plans are big and growing. Come grow with us. I am your host, Jay Taylor. I believe Columbus Silver Corp traded Toronto symbol CSC and in the United States symbol CSLVF offers a potential gain of several fold over its March 31st price of 18 cents. I say that because of its low market cap, its Mojion gold and silver property hosting a partly delineated deposit containing 18 million ounces of silver and 300,000 ounces of gold equivalent. I say that also because of a strong management team. The stock is, of course, not without risk, but in my view, the risk reward ratio is presently very favorable. Go to ColumbusSilver.com to learn more. 
Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and right. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard. It's just a love you're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor. Uh, we have Adrian Sabucci back with us. Um, and now joining us is David Corsi, who is running in the Republican primaries for a chance to become the Republican candidate for the 12th district, the 12th congressional district in New Jersey. Um, Adrian is, uh, I should say, David is on this show in no small part because I believe his views, well, should be somewhat, somewhat similar to Adrian's, uh, perhaps. I don't want to put words in his mouth. But perhaps more importantly, because uh, David Corsi, who I've learned to know over the last few years at a, at a small conference in New Jersey, uh, I've really enjoyed his, his insights into the real estate market because that's what he's uh, been a real estate uh, professional for a number of years, really knows his stuff when it comes to free markets and real estate. And uh, also, I, I'm interested in David Corsi because his views are very, very similar to mine and those of Ron Paul, who's been on this show in the past. And, and that really has to do with returning America back to a free market economy, if that's possible. We would really, I think those of us who cherish freedom and individual liberty, realize that we can only have those you know, freedom and individual liberty if we have a free market system. That's really a big part of it anyway. So uh, welcome, David, to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Thank you for having me on, Jay. David, you may not be as focused on international politics and, and a lot of the same things that Adrian is talking about, uh, you know, the really big powers behind the, thr- the throne that sort of control and, and shape global policy. But I think your philosophy of government may be very similar to Adrian's. And, 
During the next segment of the show, our, next segment of our show, you'll be staying with us hopefully, and I want to get your uh, you know, I want to talk to you more directly about the campaign, your campaign, and how people who are sympathetic to that might be able to help you. But in the meantime, I wonder if you could just sort of tell our listeners a little bit about your political philosophy. What, what is, you're running for office. There must be a reason for running for office. And I think there are two reasons people run for office generally. One is to, you know, maybe for self-aggrandizement, to get rich. I don't know what people, for their, for their own power, for power, or whatever drives people. The other thing that causes some people to run for government, and I know this is true of Ron Paul, is ideas, philosophy, uh, a view of what would make this a better world. And somehow I kind of think, knowing you as I do, Dave, that, that you're in that second camp. But it, could you just tell our listeners a little bit about your philosophy of government? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh... You're absolutely right. I would fall into the latter category. It's more about the ideas and returning it to the idea of freedom and liberty for folks. A, it's the right thing to do, and B, economically, it is the right thing to do. Unfortunately, we tend to have people come in who when they, they claim to be well-meaning, but once they're in there, all of a sudden they want to start legislating to death and dictating to us what should be done. And many times, their ideas and thoughts are just plain wrong. They couch them in very nice, soft terms, but ultimately we all pay the price for that. Well, where do they, where do they go wrong? Is there something philosophically? Is it, I mean, do, do people just get sidetracked because of the power, because of people that are financing their campaigns? Why do they go off track? Partly for that reason, I think because of the financing of their campaigns, they start getting soft on that. But I, I think a lot of it is if you really don't, think subjects through thoroughly, it's much easier to be what today is known, of course it wasn't in the old days, but known as today's liberal, where it sounds like, yes, I want to give health care to everyone. Yes, I don't want anybody starving. Yes, I want to do all this for the people. And it plays to the masses. Unfortunately, Adrian, I believe, was kind of leading to that with his talk about the economics of Argentina, etc. You are ultimately hurting those people. It's kind of like if you had a little child and you never let him learn to walk because mommy always held on to his hand, he would never learn to stand on his own two feet and become independent. I find government does that, and then it gets more insidious because once they get to that point, they start realizing, hmm, I can get these people to vote for me again, again, and again as long as I keep giving them some kind of handout. Mm-hmm. And it could be corporate handout, it could be an individual handout, it comes in many ways, shapes, and forms, and ultimately we end up with a system where we have uh, the so-called leaders lording over us, telling us what to do and feeling they have the right to regulate us to the point where we have no free will anymore. And that's mm-hmm. the real danger we face. Well, it seems to me you're talking about the same thing Adrian was talking about a few minutes ago when he talked about um, you know how difficult it is for people to say bad things about their about their companies about their about their economic system. Um, Adrian, if um, David is successful in gaining uh, a seat to the U.S. Congress uh, as an Argentinian, uh, how, what would you like to hear from David? What would make you feel good as an Argentine citizen um, from the U.S. Congress, from a congressman like David Corsi? Well, first of all, uh, everything that David just said, I, I fully and 100% support personally. So I think that you know we're, we're really speaking about the same things from perhaps different geographical angles and even different economic angles because we're in two very different countries. But uh, we are 100% in agreement in that sense. 
And I think it all goes down, whether you're in Argentina, whether you're in, 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 the state, in America, <clears throat> that we have to start from the very bottom. And starting from the very bottom is starting with personal sovereignty. We have to have personal sovereignty above everything else, which is something that I'm sure you've discussed with Ed Griffin with on, mm-hmm. uh, on your show at some point, this, uh, as he uh, puts a lot of stress on that. And, and the idea is that uh, only when you have that personal sovereignty concept well in mind, can we, and when I say we, I mean folks like, like David, like yourself, like myself, who have, in a way, the, because we've been lucky, because we are not really fighting out just to see if we can put some uh, food on the table tonight, and we've had a proper education and so forth, we have the social responsibility towards the not-so-lucky and not-so-lucky uh, uh, um, uh, people in our own societies so that they will not fall into the trap of these politicians, these lying politicians who will always say, well, it's trickle-down economics, you'll get your share sooner or later, or we'll just throw a couple of breadcrumbs as they fall from our table as if they were dogs. So in a way, we have to have those concepts well in mind, insisting on the importance of personal sovereignty, whether it be in America or whether it be in Argentina, so that people, again, use their own minds, think with their own minds, not with the minds of the New York Times or, or Fox News so they, or, or, or any of the other mainstream media, so that they can start really putting together alternative plans or an alternative view that will help everybody in, in his or her relative stance within the economy. In other words, we have to, in a way, take our nations back. What this system has done, and let me just round off this idea, mm-hmm. uh, Jay, is they've taken the nation-state, the sovereign nation-state, away from us, away from the people, whether it be in America, whether it be in Argentina, whether it be in Europe. So they have done that through the use of huge amounts of money that they slush around financing their key or their favorite politicians' campaigns and political parties and so forth. So that what we end up having is a democracy totally subservient to money. Money is not democratic, nor I can't see any reason why it should be. But if you have a democracy that is completely subordinated to money, then you have no democracy whatsoever because money is not democratic. Mm-hmm. Well, what I hear you saying, Adrian, and I hear you say, David, are very much the same thing. And I think it was said in the preamble to the Constitution um, or the Declaration of Independence that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are endowed uh, with certain inalienable rights by their creator, uh, that these are you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And, uh, Adrian, what you're talking about is individual sovereignty, you call it. I call it personal liberty. I think we're talking about the same thing. Sure. Uh, and, and if you get rid of this notion that, and I think, Adrian, you said last week that we have these inalienable rights. They're given to us by our creator. If you're an atheist, I guess maybe you don't see it that way. But if oh, you I believe do. that I, I we have our rights to, to our personal, to what we are as personal, unique human beings, and that nobody has the right to take that away. That was a sense that our Constitution, our founding fathers had. They said that we need to have that, and so they wanted a limited government, but we're moving in the other direction. Now, David, I think you're certainly online with that, with that notion of individual liberty and the, and the inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. David, could you hear me? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you know, when people talk about it, Jay, I think we tend to couch it in these very lofty, eloquent terms. Well, if you think about our founding fathers and when you were just quoting the Declaration of Independence, I think in many ways these were very practical men. And mm-hmm. what they were simply saying to King George and to Parliament, for that matter, was 
who died and made you God. When Thomas Jefferson penned those words, he was simply saying that you don't have any right given to you from above to tell us how to live, what to do without us having a say in it. And I think that is the same kind of problem we're running into today. We, we saw that with health care. The mm-hmm. government has decided what kind of health care you will be allowed to have without right. you having any say. And, you know, the people in the King and Parliament thought they were being benevolent by, by giving us, um, by them ruling over us. And that's the problem I see happening in the United States and in Argentina as well. Mm-hmm. Arrogance by their leaders determine how people will live, what they shall eat, where, where they can work, and things like what kind of health care they can have. And this is simply not acceptable. Well, thank you, David. Thank you, Adrian, for being with us. Adrian, we're going to have to have you back again sometime real soon because I know there's just so much more to talk to you about. And David's going to be back with us at the, on the other side of the commercial break here. David, we're going to talk to you more about your candidacy about what you want to do uh, when you're elected to Congress, not if. We're going to get you there, I hope. Right. Uh, so we'll be right back with David Corsi. And again, Adrian, thank you so much for being on our show, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. My pleasure. Same to you, Jay, and uh, best regards to David, and thanks a lot for having me on the show. You bet. Thanks. And thank you, folks. We'll, we'll be right back with uh, David Corsi. It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Merex Gold, with 800 square kilometers of contiguous permits, Merex and exploration partner IM Gold have spent $11 million on the advanced stage Surabaya Gold Project in Mali. Merex has indicated gold resources based on 4% of the mineralized Surabaya megastructure. An aggressive 20,000 meters of drilling will begin to determine the true size of the Surabaya Gold deposit. For more information about Merex Gold, visit us on the web at www.merexgold.com. That's M-E-R-R-E-X gold.com. Coronado Resources is a Canadian-based exploration and development company trading on the TSX Venture Exchange. Its wholly owned Madison Gold Copper Project in Montana, USA has received revenue from high-grade gold and copper shipments while developing its underground workings to 250 feet below surface while limiting share dilution. Coronado is now driving the decline an additional 60 feet below the lowest workings to access the rich gold mineralization encountered from recent drilling and continue exploring the system, which is open at depth. I am Jay Taylor, your host for Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Gold has risen from $250 to well over $1,200 since 2002. That has greatly improved gold mining profit margins and profits for gold investors. But mining stocks are very risky, so you do need to know which stocks have the best chance of success. I believe Magellan Minerals, traded Toronto under the symbol MNM, is one such company. That's why it is a top pick of my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Go to MagellanMinerals.com website to learn more. 
Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard, it's just a love you're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I want to welcome you to the second hour of this week's show. Um, I, again, I want to thank each of you for listening to this show. It is growing in popularity every week. We now have a market share of over 40% on the business channel at Voice America. That's out of 33 total shows. We have the top show. So a great big thanks to each of you for listening. Whenever you listen to this show, um, you're, you're voting, essentially, for this show by listening to it. And there's a direct count on the Internet when you listen, as opposed to the, to the radio shows. Uh, we know how many people are tuning in to us. We can know with great precision. So I also want to thank each of our sponsors um, for making this show financially viable. Barkerville Gold, uh, uh, second, our sponsors are Barkerville Gold, Magellan Minerals, Apollo Gold, Columbus Silver, Coronado Resources, Uranium Energy Corporation, and Goldrich Mining Corporation. Well, I'm back here with David Corsi. He's the candidate uh, for uh, Republican uh, Congress uh, congressional seat in the 12th District in New Jersey. Um, and David gave us a little bit of his philosophy of government and what government should and shouldn't do in the first uh, in the previous segment uh, at the end of the last, uh, the first hour of today's show. Uh, David, can you tell our listeners a little bit about the 12th district where you're running for, for office? What part of New Jersey do you represent? What about the demographics, the politics? Is it a left, a liberal, a conservative, a centrist uh, district? How would you typify it? Okay, the 12th district, to remember that term from our history book, 
It goes from the, along the Hunterdon County, the Delaware River, meanders across the strait in a narrow, jagged strip, and by Rumson, which would be along the uh, Jersey Shore. It's in central Jersey. The demographics are with them Republican, but far and one older. So it, it tends to be middle of the road in that regard. All right. We have our, our guest for the second, uh, for the next segment, uh, Jispert Gunenwagen. Are you there, uh, Jispert? I'm here, Jay. Oh, Jispert, you know, I might just uh, have you. I mean, it seems as though we've lost our, our guest, uh, the, the uh, candidate for Congress. Uh, so maybe we'll just uh, step in with you at this moment, since he, maybe he may be joining us again. I don't know. Uh, we thought that we made it clear he should be on a land phone and not a cell phone. But in any event, uh, welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Thank you. Uh, I should uh, just mention to our listeners um, that you are you're Dutch. Um, you have a law degree uh, from Leiden University in Netherlands. Uh, you live in London and New York, uh, where you're managing a hedge fund. Um, you co-founded a stockbroking firm in London late, uh, and later sold that to Jefferies, Inc. in 2000. And you've uh, really been involved very much in the metals and mining uh, business, uh, investing in those, in those sectors um, for some time now. And, in fact, I know that you worked with uh, a person I know and hold in fairly high esteem, uh, Cal Tigerson at the uh, at the Midas Gold Fund, I believe it was called in the past. Um, welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times, and I, I um, my apologies for uh, for the uh, uh, the confusion here with our previous guest. But in any event, I'm glad you're with us, and uh, welcome. Thank you. Uh, just for we talked about uh, we met up at a conference, or not a conference, at a meeting here in New York a, a few weeks ago, and. Um, your views of the market seem to be pretty pretty similar to my own. Um, we you know we have this big run up in the equity markets here now. I listened to Dick Beauvais this morning on the uh, uh, on on Bloomberg, and Dick Beauvais, who's a pretty mainstream mining analyst, uh, mainstream uh, analyst in the financial sector, uh, I heard him saying that the banking interests or the banking the banking industry or many of the financial firms are doing very well, seemingly. But they're not making money in the traditional banking uh, activities. In fact, he's saying that commercial banking is still on the decline and very much, in fact, things are going to get a lot worse. Where they are making money is in the equity markets. And, you know, we've had an equity market that has really risen very dramatically from its March 2009 lows. Do you think that, uh, does that sound right to you, that the banking industry is not really... Um, you know, doing all that well, even though the even though the markets are doing well, and even though the financial stocks are doing have done a lot better. Well, I think the banks have um, you know have become very risk averse, and what you hear everywhere is that they're just not lending, even people with good um, credit history. So, if the banks are purely playing the uh, you know the uh, the interest uh, spread, you know the the steep yield curve, and uh, not uh, not lending any money. How can how can you create um, you know new jobs in the economy? And as we know, uh, the March uh, new jobs created were you know ex the census workers were 114,000. But in order to be even in the economy, so to keep your you know unemployment rate constant, you have to create 100,000 jobs. Mm-hmm. I.e., we have pumped uh, hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars in this economy. 
And the only thing we do is create 114 or 162,000 jobs in March. Um, that should say something. You know, of course, we will see an uptick in the economy a bit, probably as a result of restocking, et cetera, et cetera. But I think going forward, what people really have to look at is, is the recovery sustainable? And I don't think that we have the balance sheets, um, you know, as well the private as well as the public households to carry this through. But, you know, time will tell, but I'm very hesitant there. Well, if 70% of the, uh, of the U.S. economy is consumer, it, it does seem somewhat doubtful. I, uh, I don't see that either. I mean, where, where the jobs aren't there, the ATMs from the, the, housing, the houses that acted as ATMs are no longer there. The credit cards are being taken back. Meredith Whitney says uh, a trillion, a two, a $1.7 or some big number of credit cards are being taken away. Banks won't lend, as Beauvais is saying, that the... Um, uh, bad loans are on the rise. We've decided not to mark those loans to market anymore. You know, so we took away mark-to-market accounting and therefore make believe that the balance sheets are, of banks are, are better than they really are. So what? Uh, so what are you? What are you suggesting here? What? What's the practical implication for investors? Well, I think that we have discounted an awful lot, uh, almost to perfection, uh, since uh, March 2009. I mean, if you look at the stock markets, as you just pointed out, I mean, they have risen 50% plus. Yeah, But I want to draw people's attention to the fact that a similar situation occurred in 1929-1930, when we also had a huge uh, recovery uh, bear market rally, Mm-hmm. And I think the difference now is that uh, so much money has been pumped into the market that uh, people believe that, uh, you know, it's uh, back uh, to, the, to the same old, uh, you know, uh, recovery again. And I think there are too many problems. If you look at the unemployment figure, you know, it, the, the sort of official figure is, what is it, 9.3, 9.5%. But the unofficial figure is about 17 to 20 percent. Yes. Next to that, housing has been backstopped a bit, not really, because uh, you know January, February, uh, new home sales uh, figures were not good at all. They were one of the worst uh, since uh, they started reporting those. Mm-hmm. Um, housing prices are, are likely to decline further. Why? Because the the government st- stopped its um, you know, mortgage-backed security buyback program. And as we know, at the end of April, also the tax credit um, will, uh, will, uh, will finish. And um, then on top of that, of course, you know, we have the huge you know, um, public and, and, uh, and private debt. And I think what we have been seeing lately uh, is a kind of debasement of the currencies um, in the sense that you saw a strong oil price. Some people explain it as, you know, we have re- a recovery in the economy. I don't believe it because there is enough oil around in the world at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, you know, you see oil um, increasing in price. You see the same for the precious metals as well as the base metals. Mm-hmm. So from that point of view, my conclusion would be that a debasement in the currencies is going on. You uh, raise a couple of very interesting points, uh, Jesper. Uh, one is uh, on the oil price, and another is on the housing market. And, you know, we have back with us uh, now David Corsi. And I want to ask David if you can uh, – David, can you hear me? 
Is is David there? I guess he's not. Okay. Um, I thought we had David back on um, because um, anyway. Um, okay. So to your other point, the the oil price. I just heard, and I have uh, come across a very interesting book called Paul, uh, uh, written by Paul Michael Wiebe. It's called The Rise of the New Oil Order, and in fact, we're going to have him and Matt Simmons on this show, not together because Matt didn't really want to be on with somebody who disagreed with him, I guess. But we're going to have both ideas, and the ideas of Wiebe is that uh, is that the price of oil doesn't does not make sense with the increase in demand. Uh, that the increase in demand has not grown nearly as much as the oil price, and that there is uh, plenty of oil, but that that the speculators are really driving uh, the price of oil up. And it sort of goes along with what Dick Bouvet said this morning on Bloomberg. Bouvet was basically saying that uh, uh, you know that what we have, uh, the banking industry, is making a lot of money, but they're not making it by lending money; they're making it by speculating or the hedge funds are really driving these commodity prices. You have all of this money pumped into the system. The banks will not lend it out into the economy because they can't uh because because they you know because they can't find viable borrowers or because those who are who are capable of paying back don't want to borrow under this circumstance and it sounds to me like everything I read in the 1930s just but it's pretty much what what you just said I think 1929 to 1930 uh, you know, we had this bounce back in the economy, and yet it was a false. It was a false move, wasn't it? Are you saying you think that we have another shoe to drop here in the equity markets and in the economy as a whole? I, I'm strongly biased towards that. Um, why? Because uh, the, the reasons I mentioned to you before. I mean, the, uh, the very high unemployment. Um, you know, the uh, the continued falling uh, housing prices, and then we even haven't touched upon the fact that. The commercial real estate, 50% of all the commercial real estate is underwater. Yeah? So we're looking at an amount of sort of between $1.4 and $2 trillion, which has to be refinanced. So, you know, what is going to happen to the value of real estate if the banks are not willing to lend money? Um, you, you have to wonder. So I think that that uh, will, will uh, continue its downdraft. And then the other thing is, as I mentioned, the... Um, the huge debt of which we see the first, um, you know, potential defaults uh, going to happen first in Europe, you know, with Greece. Because mm-hmm. although, um, you know, uh, people think that uh, the European Union or the, uh, the states have uh, sort of backstopped, you know, uh, the, the, the problem in Greece, um, the problem in Greece is not going to go away. Uh, it takes a long time you know, for a country to, to get in the situation it is, and it will take a long time to get out. Why? Because we're talking about structural problems. Mm-hmm. And if you think that you can basically narrow the deficit, I think people are dreaming. Why? Because, you know, the Greeks are notorious for, you know, paying their taxes and, um, you know, corruption has been mentioned, et cetera, et cetera. So, if you think of increasing taxes while people are not paying taxes, it will, ha- will have no impact. So what I want to say is that where we got is in a situation where uh, governments are trying to, um, solve, uh, to, to, to solve the symptoms but not the disease. Mm-hmm. And well, indeed, you, you mentioned that, uh, the, that this will not go away soon because there are structural problems. Is the government then getting in the way of allowing the structural problems to be fixed? 
Well, I think what you see is purely postponement of execution, which makes right. it in the end only worse. Right. Uh, but I mean, the objective here the is, with all the stimulus is to avoid the markets correcting, right? Um, to, to a certain extent, yeah, that, uh, that's the way it works out. Because, okay. uh, no, you know, in order to restructure everything, uh, you know, a lot of pain is needed, in my point of view. Okay, and that, uh, Jispert, uh, uh, I want to get back um, uh, to David Corsi here just for a second. You mentioned, uh, Jispert, you mentioned real estate, and David is, is a real estate professional, so I want to get his take on what you said a minute ago, that the real estate market is still in the pits. Uh, David, are you with us now? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you well now. Thank Beautiful. you so much. Uh, Beautiful. <laughs> can, uh, I don't know if you heard what Jispert just said, but he's talking I about the real I, I estate the markets thing. and that the real estate market is, you know, has a long ways to go on the downside. Would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. The, they're looking at the market, but everybody is forgetting one thing. Remember the banks now. I'm more of a residential specialist, but here, mm-hmm. here's the points everybody seems to forget when we keep reading propaganda in the papers about, you know, it looks like real estate has turned the corner, etc. Everybody's forgetting that all this time there have been all kinds of pressure on banks to do moratoriums, not to do foreclosing, etc. And what's happened is you have a whole backlog of properties that payments still are not being made on that have not been brought up formally to go into foreclosure. That is ending now, and that's why they're looking for all these new plans. They keep hearing Obama has a new plan, etc. They're only going to be adding many more properties to the list of foreclosure properties. And as same as in commercial, 40% of the people with loans now are allegedly underwater. And these are stats coming from the banks. And all the underlying work they're doing is doing nothing to strengthen that. And as the gentleman said, we're not... We're not willing to take our pain. You know, for years when I would teach classes and would talk to people about what was happening and the problems we were going to have, they would ask me, well, how do you solve it? I would simply explain, you have to let the recession in real estate happen so you can clean it out, so you can get rid of the excess and bring yourself back to solid fundamentals. Unfortunately, they weren't willing to do that because politicians are looking to get reelected, and now we're paying the price. Okay, David, you're looking to get elected. What are you yeah. going to do? Will you? <laughs> I, and I think it comes down to you know what the motives are for running. And we talked about this earlier. You know, um, you know. I know that Ron Paul constantly voted against items that would have been in favor of his district. For example, he told me he had a heavily agricultural district at one time, and he would always vote against farm bills. Right. And yet he kept getting reelected because he would explain to the people why that was necessary. Maybe partly it helped him because there's not that many farmers, even though it was a heavily farmed district, right. know, in terms of total numbers of voters. But so the question that I have for you, and I think what our listeners would like to know as a candidate, you know, where do you come down on this? I mean, how popular would it be for you to go to Congress and say, "Sorry, folks, you're going to have to feel some pain." I I think if if told properly to the American people and to the people in my district, they'll understand it. Most people understand this, and the point is that they don't feel that the politicians are willing to take the pain along with them. They, they look at the politician as some kind of plastic individual who's just looking to get reelected, and he'll have somebody come in there and say, well, don't worry, you don't need to have any pain. I can't compete with these folks on economics, so if, if the Incumbent wants to talk about it and talk about it, the economics of a problem. 
I believe I can explain to people what the problem is and how to solve it. And yes, there's going to be sacrifice involved, but the, in the sacrifice, in the long run, we will be way ahead. For instance, my big thing is our tax code. The U.S. tax code is a national disgrace that is literally destroying this country. And until we do something about that, nothing else will fall in line. What would you do, David? What, generally speaking, without going into details, uh, philosophically, how would you reshape the tax code, or would you get rid of it entirely? I would get rid of the current tax code, absolutely. And then from there, I'm a proponent of a consumption tax, which in, in real terms would be the fair tax. Yeah. I believe consumption is a much more accurate, more realistic way of doing it as opposed to what we currently have. Albert Einstein said the hardest thing for him to understand was the U.S. tax code. And yeah, he that, doesn't. He hasn't. See, he didn't see anything then compared to what we have now. I dare say. Exactly right. But what he what he really meant was that he didn't understand why would you tax production if mm-hmm. you're trying to get more of something, you do not penalize it by taxation. And yet, what he saw was we were penalizing production through higher taxes. The more you made, the higher the tax rate went. And he's and it was illogical to him because he kept saying, "Well, then you're going to end up with less of it," which is exactly the problem we have now. I'm sure you gentlemen saw in the paper that now 47 percent of the people in this country pay no income tax. So we're getting to the tipping point where people are finally going to realize the system we have currently is unsustainable. So it's up to folks like myself to bring them over to the other side and show them there is a better way, the way to get the country on track. And as long as we do that and start really working at controlling our spending and not let politicians, uh, as you mentioned, Ron Paul, I greatly admire him for voting against those bills. That's my attitude. I'm not going to vote for something that's going to add to the deficit just to give somebody, a special interest group, a favor, because in the long run that hurts us all. I, uh, we've only got about two and a half minutes or so left in, <clears throat> in this segment, uh, and so we're, we really don't have enough time to... Uh, to, to drill down on the questions that I had for both of you fellows, uh, but um, uh, perhaps, Jispert, could you, uh, you are, I believe you're a Dutch citizen perhaps, and you live in New York and London, um, or at least you're, are, are, are you American citizen? No, 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 no. I'm so a Dutch citizen. L- let me ask you then uh, what I ask of our previous guest, uh, Adrian Salbucci, as an Argentinian economist. Uh, I would ask you, though, what would you like to see from a United States congressman? What would you like to see in, in, way, in the way of United States policy? Well, I, I fully agree with David. That, you know, I think that the, only, the, the first interest that a lot of politicians have is just to be re-elected. Um, so, you know, um, you know, après nous le déluge, or as the, the French said, you know, after us, the, uh, you know, the, all, all the problems. You know, so um, there is no incentive, basically, in order to deal with uh, long-term problems. Why? Because, uh, you know, your, your span is three or four years, yeah? And then you will see again what the problem is going to be. It's the same with financing, for example, the deficit. You know, the, the deficit at the moment is, is in duration is very short compared to, uh, you know, for example, uh, the, the long-term duration. Um, but I believe also, you know, the funny thing is, is that I, 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 it is natural to increase taxes if you have huge deficits. I think if you lower taxes, uh, tax and, and, and simplify the tax code very much, 
that, um, you know, it becomes much more transparent to people, you know, how they can make money and, um, you know, and, and I think it would actually increase the, the revenues for the government, uh, you know, in the end. Sounds like a supply cider. David, would you agree? Wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. And, I mean, both of you guys are people that are in industry. You've not, not been politicians. David, you've been a, uh, in the real estate markets forever, and I can remember listening to you talk about the real estate markets. You always made so much sense to me. You are a man who understands markets and, and how people really do behave. And what we have are a bunch of people that have been indoctrinated, I think, through our universities who would like to come out and think that, you know, some fancy mathematical model that, some uh, some econometric model using Keynesian economic theory will work better than what really does work. I think some of these people haven't been in the real world long enough to see how it really works. We're running, we're running, we're more than running. We're basically out of time now. You know what? I'd like to ask both of you fellows if you're available next week. I'd like to have both of you back so that we could explore more in depth what I wanted to get to today. But because there were some mix-ups here, we didn't we didn't get to drill down on what I wanted to talk to you about. So, could you both come back next week? Sure thing. And, and Jispert, could you come back next week? Absolutely. Okay, great. We'll look forward to talking to you some more and maybe open up the phone lines for some questions for you guys as well. Uh, but we want to talk some more to David also to let people know about his candidacy and how they can support it if they're inclined to do so. We'll be right back very shortly here. Uh, we're going to have Malcolm Stevens. He's the president of Sphere Resources. He'll be with us to talk about his company's activities in South Africa. We'll be right back. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Apollo Gold is a gold-producing and exploration company that recently brought the brand-new Black Fox Mine into production. Apollo's 100% owned Black Fox Mine is located in the world-renowned gold-producing district of Timmins, Ontario, Canada. It's expected to produce over 100,000 ounces of gold annually. Apollo Gold also has tremendous potential for additional gold discovery as they continue their current exploration program on their recent new discovery at the Gray Fox property, which is adjacent to the Black Fox Mine, as well as its new land acquisition of Pike River. With gold prices near an all-time high, investors should consider Apollo Gold as an outstanding opportunity to invest in an undervalued junior gold mining company, well positioned to take advantage of a bull gold market. Apollo Gold trades on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol AGT and on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol APG. Visit Apollo's website at www.apollogold.com. Apollo Gold, a golden opportunity for investment. American Bonanza Gold's project, located in Arizona, is scheduled for production in 2010. American Bonanza Gold announced the positive results of its recent feasibility study at its 100% owned Copperstone Gold Mine. The mine is estimated to produce an average of 45,000 ounces of gold annually. At the current spot gold price, this will result in an IRR of 120%. Join the gold bull market. Invest in American Bonanza Gold. Visit the website at AmericanBonanza.com for more exciting information. Don't miss this great opportunity. I am Jay Taylor, your host for Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Gold has risen from $250 to well over $1,200 since 2002. That has greatly improved gold mining profit margins and profits for gold investors. But mining stocks are very risky, so you do need to know which stocks have the best chance of success. 
I believe Magellan Minerals traded Toronto under the symbol MNM is one such company. That's why it is a top pick of my newsletter, J. Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Go to MagellanMinerals.com website to learn more. Parkerville Gold Mines, BGM on the TSX.V, is focused on the exploration and development of its gold projects in the historic Caribou Gold Fields in British Columbia. Parkerville's mineral tenure now encompasses over 111,000 hectares, covering the 60-kilometer long by 20-kilometer wide geological belt and includes seven past-producing mines and two of Parkerville's own proposed open pit mines, currently in the permitting process. Parkerville recently announced the acquisition of the QR mine and 900-ton-per-day QR mill. Parkerville Gold began mining operations in February of 2010 and is expecting to produce 50,000 ounces in its first full year of mining. I am Jay Taylor, your host for Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Gold has risen from $250 to well over $1,200 since 2002. That has greatly improved gold mining profit margins and profits for gold investors. But mining stocks are very risky, so you do need to know which stocks have the best chance of success. I believe Magellan Minerals traded Toronto under the symbol MNM is one such company. That's why it is a top pick of my newsletter, J. Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Go to MagellanMinerals.com website to learn more. PMI Gold has just raised $7.5 million to expand drilling at four former gold mines we own in Ghana. Ghana is Africa's second largest gold producer, and with neighbors like Newmont, Anglo Gold, and Goldfields, and a land position equal to the entire length of the Carlin Gold Belt, we're going for the gold. PMI Gold is listed in Canada and Frankfurt, and plans to list on the Australian Stock Exchange to finance development of our first mine at our Kubi Gold Project. Our plans are big and growing. Come grow with us. I am your host, Jay Taylor. I believe Columbus Silver Corp traded Toronto symbol CSC and in the United States symbol CSLVF offers a potential gain of several fold over its March 31st price of 18 cents. I say that because of its low market cap, its Mojion gold and silver property hosting a partly delineated deposit containing 18 million ounces of silver and 300,000 ounces of gold equivalent. I say that also because of a strong management team. The stock is, of course, not without risk, but in my view, the risk reward ratio is presently very favorable. Go to ColumbusSilver.com to learn more. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard. It's just a love. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Uh, we like to talk about companies here, ways to make money. We talk about uh, political philosophy, about uh, economics. We talk about uh, uh, the problems that our economy is having. We talk about what that means for you as an investor, and then we like to offer some ideas. And our show, uh, we, we have a lot of mining companies, uh, mostly gold mining companies. There are some other different ideas that we'll be bringing to you in the weeks ahead, but uh, 
With me now is Malcolm Stevens. He's the president of Sphere Resources, Inc., and I also have on the phone with me George Grignano, uh, a major shareholder of Sphere Resources. Welcome, both of you, to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Thanks, Jay. Thank you, Jay. Well, I understand that Sphere Resources has had its history primarily in South Africa and in Zimbabwe, but actually uh, the, philo- the plans of, of management now is sort of to exit that part of the world uh, and to reestablish, uh, reestablish your main um, activities in the old mining camps, some of the, uh, some of the mining camps in a more, I suppose, politically stable part of the world, namely Canada. Is that right? That's correct, and uh, we've looked at both uh, over the last 18 months in depth in Nevada, in the Carlin Trend, and uh, also in uh, Ontario in particular at Red Lake, and uh, we have some uh, sound ideas on what we'd like to implement over a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, the first starting point was to get our foot in the door and get uh, some quality areas under control, and we uh, were able to option out uh, from another public company called Global Minerals, uh, a good area called the Dome Properties in the Red Lake under the the head frame of the um, Howie Mine, as they call it. And it's mm-hmm. a nice place to look for, for new new uh, discoveries. Okay, but I want to get to a couple of those ideas. You and, and uh, your listeners is how you can quicken the pace of discoveries at hopefully a reduced cost, which is what we're trying to do by better utilisation of uh, IP magnetics um, uh, a little bit more scientific approach uh, before we spend the next round of money on drilling. Of course. Uh, of pinpointing course. where to drill is, of course, the art of what, what the discovery is all about. Of course. I'd like our listeners to uh, get a sense of, of where you're at now in the marketplace. Um, and I, I had to do a double take when I looked at these numbers before we went on the show. But yep. I'm seeing in front of me a two-cent share price. I've got 103 million shares outstanding. Does that sound right? That's right. Okay, so that's a two million dollar market cap, more or less, yep. which is which is really really low. And you know, a lot of people, it's it's sort of a strange thing with with investing. A lot of people, when the stocks are going up, they get more attractive, and when they're going down in price, they get less attractive. That's I great. mean, it's it's just perverse, but that's the way people think. I guess it's the herd mentality. If everybody else is buying something, it must be good, so they jump on board. I take a little different view of things. Uh, gentlemen, I like to look at uh, at cheap stocks and then find out if they're cheap for a reason. And I'm sure there is a reason that you're at two cents. Besides, yep. you know, but maybe there's some value there. So let's try to figure out if there if there's some speculative value, if nothing else. Let's let's just take a look. And so uh, again, in the Red Lake District, I think you you mentioned. Uh, can you tell us what you've got going there? What are what are you looking at? Yeah, we're, we're looking at a three-year uh, exploration program, and and I think. Uh, the strategy of what we've done as a, as a small company who's re-embarking upon growing in the gold industry after selling out of the gold assets in Africa um, is two things. Uh, one is we've brought in um, Duncan Park Holdings as a partner to explore the property and we have uh, effectively uh, getting some shares in Duncan Park for uh, doing that. And uh, we have a right to call for four times their expenditure on the properties over the next three years, 51% of the project. So it's a little bit novel approach. It's a called a back-end approach in the oil and gas industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, an old friend, Ian McCavity, is acting president of that company. Oh. And uh, I chatted to him about uh, about Red Lake and opportunities there and, and, and the bigger picture of how can we get more ground over time to put in more IP 
to identify the best targets. And it was that simple. It was a fundamental strategy of how to, as I said, quicken the pace of exploration and reduce the dollars to spend on drilling. And, and that's what our our overall program for Red Lake is. And I said we've started with the Dome property and we've introduced a partner from Sphere's point of view. Uh, we get a, uh, some shares in uh, another public company and we get uh, a right to back in, as I say, for 51% for four times of what they spend once they discover something. That's a and really uh, interesting I think that, approach. That's good value for our shareholders to start off with because we don't have to raise any cash in the short term. That's a really interesting approach, I must admit. And now the lights are going on in my in my thick skull, under my thick skull, I should say, because Ian McAvity, I actually met up with him in Phoenix a couple of weeks ago, and he was telling me a little bit about this story now. You know, I have so many companies coming at me all the time as a newsletter writer wanting to get my attention, and now I'm remembering this. This is really a fascinating story. What uh, can you? Okay, so Duncan Park then is a public company, right? Correct. And what's their share structure like? Well, there's a bit tighter in the sense that I think we've got about half a, half the number of shares on, uh-huh. and uh, on issue around 60 million. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think it's fairly tightly held, like spheres in a sense. We've got a number of people that have been there a long time, and uh, we have a 50 percent of the capital spoken for, so to speak. Um, and we all know what we're doing, and you just got to wait for the right time to find what you want to do. And we were waiting for the gold cycle to get where we wanted it to be, and that's why we're back in a first world country. And in Canada and Australia, I rate it to the two best countries right now in the resource business to be in. Mm-hmm. And I don't downgrade the US. I just think Canada and Australia are the best um, from that point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would want to uh, get the best out of the Red Lake District weekend because of, uh, frankly, Rob McEwen's great success at Goldcorp. I mean, going back to his strategy, which we developed uh, um, our strategy from, is that um, think more laterally about how to find things and what he did, and uh, and he opened up his uh, Red Lake uh, database to uh, geologists around the world. And what caught my attention was those geologists that won that contest of where the next deposit might be uh, were out of a scientist out of Australia, geoscientists that analysed the data and, and gave them the clues of where to look next. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the great red luck discovery, the richest gold mine in Canada, is the end result. Oh, those, guys, those two gentlemen apparently had never even been to Canada and they, they pinpointed it through geoscience activity. Very interesting. Well, yeah. uh, so what do you know about the uh, about any particular prospects that you're looking at there now? Are these are the grassroots targets or are there's Yeah, there's a little bit of work being done on the Dome property areas. Um, we have a broader strategy, which I don't want to divulge too much of because I haven't enacted it yet. Um, but I've given you an, uh, an idea. We want to get more ground in the region. Um, and, and primarily what attracted us to this area was the fact of the Howie mine being nearby. Um, you look for gold, and being originally from Australia, um, I've, I, I looked at doing similar things around the Yulgarn block in Western Australia. You look for, for to discover mines where mines have been found before. Mm-hmm. That's going back, simplifying yeah. it, but that's what now, we're doing. Now you do have some some targets in Nevada as well, right? Is it, we're looking that? we're looking for uh, relationships in Nevada. We haven't consummated any yet because we're we're looking for a similar style relationship to what we've developed with Duncan Park first and so that's just taking a bit longer and, and, and just America's not as easy as or I should say the US 
it's just not as easy, uh, easy as Canada and, and perhaps Australia to do business in. But our main focus is on Canada and Red Lake for the moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, our next area, Jay, is that uh, over the last, oh, again, similar period, but probably more, the last 12 months, we've been delving into other opportunities to bring cash flow into our company um, to support that ongoing exploration approach without having to go back to shareholders, which hurts junior companies in the main when things aren't going so well or the price of gold is not performing to expectations and it gets hard to raise money at times. So well, it really is, our it other really strategy is, is, to, is to look at bringing cash flow assets in, and we, we've studied very hard through my private interests I've been in the Puna in Argentina for some 12 years uh, looking to bring together some projects in in the lithium carbonate industry and uh, that's one thing that I will look seriously at for Sphere to participate in to get into early cash flow and uh, that's just uh, what we're looking at now but we've been uh, studying the whole industry for about uh, 12 months as to where it's going. So cash flow prospects in the near term, do you have do you have money in the bank now or are you going to have to raise some, some capital? Well, we're pretty much funded by our shareholder base um, privately through non-brokered placements in the past, but through shareholder loans at the moment. And what our next challenge is really is to grow the value of the assets um, as we wait for the settlement of the South African uh, sales, Southern African asset sales. And uh, the opportunities that are being presented that I'm presenting to the company that are coming forward uh, will not require much cash flow at all because they'll be funded by other people and uh, Sphere will become a participant in developments earlier. Well, it seems to me that we have an awful lot more to explore and to listen um, li- listen to you about in the future. We're going to have to have you back on. George, I didn't even get to ask you any questions, but you are a major investor in this company. Um, what has kept you with through all these difficult times? Um, actually, uh, it's been M- Malcolm who's, uh, you know, has been the, uh, who's, who's kept this thing going, and, and, and he's not a quitter, so that's what uh, made me uh, stay this long as well. Um, you know, I like, uh, I like the fact that he, he doesn't quit, and mm-hmm. when you, you know, persevere, 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 you f- finally um, become a winner, and that's, I think that's what's going to happen in Red Lake. Well, George and Malcolm, it sounds to me uh, like you, Malcolm, are not only persevering but finding ingenious ways to to make it work. And I, th- I'm always attracted to new ideas, ideas that are outside the box. So I want to thank both of you guys for coming on. We, we're out of time right now. I want to get, get you back sometime in the near future because I think you do have an awful lot uh, to say. I'm going to do some, uh, some, spend some time on this, learning to know more about this story as soon as we get off the phone here. Today. Thanks, both of you, for, uh, for being with us. We're going to come right back after the break. We're going to be with my partner, Roger Wiegand, to do the wrap-up on today's show. Don't go away. I'll be right back with Roger. Thank you very much, Chad. Okay, thank you, guys. Bye-bye. I'm sorry I wasn't. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. American Bonanza Gold's project, located in Arizona, is scheduled for production in 2010. American Bonanza Gold announced the positive results of its recent feasibility study at its 100% owned Copperstone Gold Mine. 
The mine is estimated to produce an average of 45,000 ounces of gold annually. At the current spot gold price, this will result in an IRR of 120%. Join the gold bull market. Invest in American Bonanza Gold. Visit the website at AmericanBonanza.com for more exciting information. Don't miss this great opportunity. I am Jay Taylor, your host for Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Gold has risen from $250 to well over $1,200 since 2002. That has greatly improved gold mining profit margins and profits for gold investors. But mining stocks are very risky, so you do need to know which stocks have the best chance of success. I believe Magellan Minerals, traded Toronto under the symbol MNM, is one such company. That's why it is a top pick of my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Go to MagellanMinerals.com website to learn more. Parkerville Gold Mines, BGM on the TSX.V, is focused on the exploration and development of its gold projects in the historic Caribou Goldfields in British Columbia. Parkerville's mineral tenure now encompasses over 111,000 hectares, covering the 60-kilometer-long by 20-kilometer-wide geological belt and includes seven past-producing mines and two of Parkerville's own proposed open-pit mines, currently in the permitting process. Parkerville recently announced the acquisition of the QR mine and 900-ton-per-day QR mill. Parkerville Gold began mining operations in February of 2010 and is expecting to produce 50,000 ounces in its first full year of mining. Have you been acquiring physical gold, silver, and coins? Are you receiving the best price and the best service you can? Why not work with the most recommended precious metals company in the country? Resource Consultants is recommended by over 20 newsletter writers, several websites, and countless stockbrokers and financial planners. Call them now and find out how they can help you. 800-494-4149. Or visit them on the web at www.buysilvernow.com. That's 800-494-4149. They'll be waiting for your call. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try to you're listening to turning hard times into good times with your host jay taylor if you have a question or comment about today's show jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you can also send an email to questions taylor at gmail.com that's questions the number four taylor at gmail.com Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm here with my partner, my other partner, Chen Lin is a partner, Roger Wiegand is a partner. Roger's here to help me wrap up today's show. I'm going to ask Roger right away to talk about a special a situational alert that he put out to his subscribers today. Roger, could you tell our listeners what that was about? Yes, we came in from the Calgary conference yesterday. We were out four days, and I was pleased to see that what's happened here is that the majority of our favorite markets have uh, topped or peaked out, and they're pausing in the standard ABC corrections. In other words, five waves up, and then we're going to do three waves sideways. And looking at the calendar, we've got five weeks after this week until uh, we get to that May 24 key date when I think selling is going to begin. So as of today, the June gold futures 
uh, are showing us a preliminary technical stall at 1185. But after this ABC correction is done, we think it's going to rise even higher. But that's what we see today, 1185, with gold being 1151 on the June futures. So we've got to get past this week, the next three or four days of choppy trading. And then we're looking to see everything move up, not only the stocks in the main indexes, but the XAU, HUI. And the stock traders are looking to get set up on some short trades uh, for way into the fall and into early next year because we think that uh, June, July this year should see a major sell-off, at least a preliminary sell-off with maybe a big sell-off coming in this fall. So we think that we've got a good trading period left between up until May 24th. May 24th through 28th, we told our readers, is when funds will be settling, selling, or balancing just before the Memorial Day holiday so that they can uh, take their profits and then get out of the way. Then we see that after May, we're looking at June, July as a very negative time when, when many shares and many markets are going to be selling. Now, one other key point that I told our readers about today is that uh, Germany caved in on the Greek debt pressures. We didn't think they would, but they did. They're going to be part and parcel of the handouts to keep Greek alive. They, they owe $44 billion. They've got about 12 to $13 billion they need within 30 days. And we think this is unfortunate as we think this is going to open the debt Pandora's box for all those Euro nations that are economically in big trouble. And Germany is going to get drained on this deal, and no sooner do they pay out, but there's going to be five more in line right behind them. So once again, the euro is going to be a great short. The dollar will stabilize, and precious metal should rise. Well, that doesn't sound uh, that 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 is not inconsistent, Roger, with my views. That uh, and that could then lead to a quote unquote strong dollar, not a strong dollar at all. But do you see then gold rising relative to the dollar and the euro? Yes, we talked about at that that at about this at the Calgary convention. Uh, more and more, the dollar and the and the gold are rising at the same time or selling at the same time. So it appears there is a departure between the two main markets. And uh, we don't really view that as a uh, as a big problem. Mm-hmm. Roger, we have a question from a listener. Um, the listener says, "I love your radio show. I have a quick question. I hold physical gold and silver, but I'm worried about the recent claims of metal manipulation. My mom holds GLD and SLV ETFs. What is the risk of the market manipulation causing these ETFs to crash? Should she sell immediately?" I would not recommend selling those immediately. There is a risk. There's no question. Uh, some attorneys that we know have gone through all those piles of papers in those ETFs. They're persuaded that there's the, the paperwork is full of weasel words. They probably don't have the gold. However, you know there's a lot, not a lot behind some shares either in some of these markets. Consequently, we think the shares can be traded and you can make money with them. But always we recommend that if you own these shares and they're rising, you want to keep moving your stop up and rain, remain within a reasonable distance so that if that thing turns on us and you have to get out, your stop gets hit and you get your money right away. So it's tradable, but we don't call it a good investment. All right, Roger. I think that's a very wise investment. I think uh, what I'm telling my subscribers is build your portfolio around gold and silver bullion that you keep in your own possession. The next layer out, I like to go to the CEF Ian Makovitis. Uh, invention that trades in the New York Stock or the American Stock Exchange, I guess it is, uh, under the symbol of CEF. There's a similar one that's just gold, and there 
it is audited. You know how much gold and silver is behind each of your shares that you buy in the market. Uh, you have you do have to pay a premium. I mean that's another way to own the gold. I think that makes more sense than owning the actual uh, ETFs because those, as you say, Roger suggests probably, you know, that they don't have to have the gold to back those things up if you read the documents carefully. And uh, there's a lot of people that doubt that they do have the gold and silver to back up those those ETFs. Uh, Thirdly is, uh, you know, mining shares, which are really quite quite different because there you're buying investments. You're buying shares in a company and you're betting that they can make a profit for you. So that's that's completely a different, you know, more risk, more return, though. Always uh, risk return. You can't get a, away from that trade-off. Well, that's about all the time we have this week. I want to thank each of you for listening again. I'd like to remind you that you can pick up a trial subscription to Roger's letter for $49. It's a monthly trial. Chen Lin's letter for 39 bucks. You can get a three-month trial for my letter uh, for $59. You can call Claudio Bossi at 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426, or go to our website at miningstocks.com. Next week, I'm going to have Arch Crawford with me. And as we noted earlier in the show, Jisper uh, Gunenwagen and, and David Corsi will be coming back with us because we didn't have enough time to finish what we wanted to talk about today. We'll, we may have another uh, very interesting guest or two joining us as well as a couple of companies I think that you'll find very interesting. In closing, again, I want to thank our uh, staff at Voice America, starting with my senior executive producer, Tacey Trump, Ruben Colombe, who's the operations manager, and Justin Jackman, my engineer, for making this show logistically possible. And thanks to each of you again for listening to this show and making this show a growing success. Until next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now the thing about time is that time isn't real.